Welcome to episode 161 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we deep dive into the story of Yakuza 0. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Flora Marigold, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, who I'm going to tentatively refer to as our newest Yakuza convert, Katie Lesperance. That's presumptuous of you, but you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> and our uh, next friend is returning guest to the show, and from what I can tell, diehard proselytizer of the Yakuza series, Matt Storm, aka Stormageddon. Hi, I'm so happy to be back. This is excellent. Um, one of my favorite podcasts, and it's been a long time since I was last here. I was on episode 86 talking about the left of us, the, the left of us, the, the last, last of us, of us. <laughs> the, 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 the last of us with uh, with Mike and um, and Jacob. Jacob. I, think, I have yeah. yet to podcast with Mo. I'm still convinced he doesn't like me. I called him out in that episode too, so I guess we'll just stick with it. I mean, he's very elusive, he so um, the call-outs probably are ne- are needed in these times. <laughs> um, speaking of The Last of Us, have you been keeping up with the HBO show? I have. Not only that, but I've been keeping up with a little show called Cutscenes, a video game hey! movie podcast, uh, which I happen to be the voice for the intro of. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I've, uh, I I really like the show. Like, I have similar gripes to that said podcast and a lot of the majority of folks watching it, but like... The Bill episode destroyed me, as it did everyone else, yeah. and, like, was so beautiful. I just also am a deep Nick Offerman fan, so, like, that sure. was, I was I was doomed from the start. But, like, I've enjoyed it. Like, there are call-out things that I don't like, like the kiss. Like, I get what people are saying when they like it, and I get it, but it, I just, ugh, I did not. Um, but, like, yeah. it just felt very <laughs> assault-like, and, you know, it's just, bleh. But but I get why from like a narrative perspective why some people thought it was necessary. But anyway, all in all, I have been enjoying the show. I think it's really done an interesting job. And the best part is my spouse, Sarah, couldn't watch me play the game because it was too scary. Because mostly the gameplay Ooh. is what's scary. Yeah. And because that kind of stuff, the gameplay moments are condensed in the TV show, they have been able to watch it with me. And they've been really enjoying it too, which is really cool. Oh, that's wonderful. I I won't even give my opinion because my opinion can be found on said podcast cutscenes. You should probably check it out, everybody, if you want to talk. If you want to listen to that, yep. Uh, me, Travis, Jacob, talk about the Last of Us. Good stuff. But this is not cutscenes today. No, no. this is the Left Behind Game Club. Yeah. So um, Matt, I want you to uh, refresh the listeners on some of your work, and then we'll get into um, your history with the Yakuza series. Sure. I mean, going through all my work could we'd be here for three days. So I'll do the abridged, yeah. abridged version. <laughs> um, but uh, I am a podcaster, producer, and editor. I've been working in and around the podcast indie space for about ten years. Uh, before that, I was also a DJ, which I still am technically. I just don't do as much. Um, mm-hmm. And I have four podcasts that I host with some incredible co-hosts. Katie's actually been on two of only two of them. You haven't been on Fun and Games or CPOV Autographs yet, but you've been on two of them. Mm-hmm. You've been on Screen Snark and you've been on uh, Reignite. But so I do a TV and movie podcast called Screen Snark with the incredible Rachel Quirky Shank, where we tell jokes, uh, have fun goofs, and talk about the latest thing we've watched. 
I host CPOV Autographs, which is a interview series that I've been doing for a long time. It was on a previous network. It's now with my other shows. I recently interviewed Patrick Klepek, a very well-known games journalist who is someone I admired for a long time. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I host Re the aforementioned Reignite, which was a Mass Effect podcast, but now in season five, we've finished all the Mass Effect games and we have moved on to Dragon Age. The, f the second episode dropped today as of when we're recording of that new season. And then my broader video game show uh, that Jacob has been on several times, uh, the one of the forefathers of this pod, uh, it's called Fun and Games. I host it with the incredible <laughs> Jeff Moonen, and it is a broader kind of like, let's talk about the games industry. Let's have cool topics about modding consoles or entire franchises we've done retrospectives on kirby on metroid on castlevania uh and it's been a really good time and then there's a sub series within that feed called side quests um which katie has done two i believe uh and flora is going to be doing one and uh that is a f five to 15 minute discussion um uh, mostly a monologue uh, about a game the host loves and why they love it and we have different hosts every episode we have returning hosts it's a lot of fun it's one of my favorite projects that i've ever done and uh it just kind of spits out positivity into the game space which lord knows we need uh and we recently launched a patreon for fun and games which has been really cool i'll plug all that nonsense at the end of the show but uh yeah i and then on top of that i edit for the game informer show it's we'll be here all night it's fine <laughs> Uh, and yet you have time to make an appearance on our show. Um, that's astonishing <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. I also work uh, a 40-hour-a-week day job, too. So, you know, there's that. So like, And <laughs> I imagine the content consumption angle of things, like actually playing games like Yakuza that take potentially over 100 hours, uh, that's no small feat either. So um, incredible stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so let's get into just briefly, like I, I pick up that you are a very enthusiastic fan of the Oxus series. I want to know like what your history was, um, your entry point, etc. Sure. So I got into it very late. I didn't play it in the PS2 era. Um, a little sad story that has a happy ending that will be the through line for this. Hmm. Um, in the middle okay. of 2020, at the height of the pandemic, my apartment building, where I own an apartment in, had a roof fire and I got displaced. Uh, my partner and I were displaced for almost... Uh, two years, 18 months, three weeks, 10 days, something like that. Uh, not 18 weeks, uh, 18 months, rather. Um, God, if only 18 weeks. But we're back now, so everything's okay. Uh, but in that time, I had started Yakuza 0 like right before we got displaced. But then I obviously, due to the kerfuffle, I couldn't. And we were living in a hotel for a month before we got a, a temporary apartment we could live in. And I schlepped my computer into that hotel and like was sitting at like the one of the little like cocktail tables in this uh, a suite we were in and I had my computer set up and it's where I did my podcast recordings and some other stuff in that interim period and while I was there one day I was unemployed at the time I didn't have a day job and my spouse was on like a work call in a meeting and I was like you know what I should get back to Yakuza Zero. Uh, a friend of mine and the person who did the SideQuest episode for Fun and Games, Derek Van Dyke, did an incredible episode about Yakuza Zero. And I was like, this game seems just the right perfect mesh of melodrama and quirky goofiness to get me through. Uh, and of course, I fell in love with it. I got uh, completely obsessed with it, did all the side quests, sang a lot of karaoke. It was great. Um, and I got really into it. And then I noticed at that time, I think it was PS Plus had ha just given us Yakuza kiwami one and i was like you know what i never played the first one let me jump into that and then from there it was it was all downhill i played that and then i think i played two on game pass because it just came kiwami two had just come to game pass and then after that um for i think my birthday that year or hanukkah my spouse sarah got me the remaster collection of three four and five and so i played all of those on my ps4 at the time 
um, got through all of them, and then bought uh, Yakuza 6 afterwards and played that. Um, or maybe I played that on Game Pass also. I can't quite remember. And just loved the entire franchise. Fell in love with all the characters. Uh, Kiryu became my B- BFF. And uh, then shortly <laughs> after Yakuza Like a Dragon came to PS5, I bought it and then promptly did not play it for a year. I think mm. getting through the entire franchise burned me out a little bit. Also, yeah. and I don't want to spoil anything, but 6 ends so perfectly for Kiryu. Especially it wraps up Kiryu's story so perfectly that I was like, I don't want to jump into a new story with a new protagonist. Like... I didn't know much about Ichiban yet, and I was like, I just, I'm not ready. Like, I, this was a great ending. I'm going to sit with it for a while. But then I think it was last year sometime. I think it was last year sometime. I was like, you know what? I have this game. I know it's a JRPG now. I've been craving a JRPG experience. Let me pop it in. And then, of course, I fell in love with Yakuza all over again. I played through Like a Dragon. Yeah. Um, I will admit that in the interim remaster games, I didn't do all the sub-stories. I know there's some of the best stuff, but like I needed to get through some of these games. But like Yakuza 0, Kiwami 1 and 2, I did most of the sub-stories. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and that's so I played through the whole franchise over the course of like two and a half years. Uh, I'm very excited for Ishim, which is just around the corner as of when we're yeah. recording. Um, I just... I really love this franchise. There's something about something that can be the dumbest thing you've ever played and the most <laughs> brilliantly written thing you've ever played at the same time. Like we're gonna get into the story, but I've cried during the series multiple times. And what's even better, same. without spoilers for Katie, ev- the thing that Yakuza Zero does, that you go, "Oh my god, I can't believe the revelatory moment." They do that in every game, and every time yeah. you never see it coming. You think you do, and then you don't. Something happens, and you're like, oh, my God, and then we're off to the races for the final act. Like, it happens in every game and every time. It's a gut punch, and it's incredible. Um, So that, like, I'm a big fan of great storytelling, and there's just so much heart to this game. Like, it's it's made its way around the Internet, but Ichiban stands up for sex workers in the newest game. Like... Mm-hmm. I just I I love a lot of like it it's not always perfect when it comes to like representation and how it handles queer stuff and For and other sure. things but like yeah. it does a pretty good job amongst a lot of the other series that are out it does a pretty good job it's not perfect but it does a pretty good job also it paints most straight horny men in a bad light and I'm all for that at all times <laughs> like just let's go um so yeah that's that's kind of where I am and I'm like I'm excited for Ishan I'm exci- excited for the man who erased his name later this year supposedly and of course like a dragon uh 2 slash yakuza 8 it, the naming conventions has gotten confusing recently <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we probably should address that. This series is officially taking on the name Like a Dragon, which is the Japanese name that's been used for the series forever. And I don't know if there's going to be a re-release of these games eventually where they are officially retitled. But for now, I think referring to it as the Yakuza series still is probably the easiest and most natural way to do so. For sure. Um, yeah, there's there's tons I could respond to, but it's, it's a great time to be a Yakuza fan right now. Um, just so many games on the horizon, and these games are more accessible than ever. They're on, like, every platform, even, like, the remasters and stuff, because they've been locked away to, like, Sony hardware forever. Yeah. So, um, so we've um, talked a little bit about your history, but I believe you have a question for us. I'm really curious what this is going to be. Yeah, so uh, I one of my favorite things about this very stupid, very brilliant game series is that <laughs> whenever... It's mostly these men, although they get better about that later in the franchise, but mostly these men hit the peak of their bravado in order to fight each other. They have to rip off their shirt and 
suit jacket at the same time seamlessly with no tear away suits the 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 tailoring (laughs) and the the attention to detail put into these suits because not only do they have to fit they have to instantly tear away shirt suit jacket pants all in one sorry sorry, not pants they keep pants pants on i take that back if only um in one swoop that's a point my my spouse was watching me at one point i was like watch He's gonna tear his tear his uh, suit off in one go, and he's like, "Wow, that yeah. was really impressive." I'm like, "Right, it's been happening all game." <laughs> and, uh, of cor- yes, and of course, that happens to, sh- to show off their incredible tattoos. You know, it's very mm-hmm. common in the lore mm-hmm. and the knowledge of actual yakuza in life that those back tattoos are often a symbol of the kind of person you are, or like they represent how you feel, or whatever. And so, I always love that. It's the dumbest thing that's never played for laughs like my favorite thing about all the funny stuff in these games is most of the time they are played seriously almost every time yeah and that's serious that's what makes it great and they know that so anyway my question is and i'll answer it as well to give you some time but if you were to in battle which could complications aside on the details but if you were to (laughs) rip off your shirt to show a back tattoo on your back to fight another yakuza what would your back tattoo be and uh, I wanted to ask this because I was thinking about this recently. I don't know that I've ever asked another person who's a fan of the series what this question. And so for me... <laughs> this is well, not what I expected the question to be. I had no excellent. idea. Not at all. I yes. would never have guessed. Excellent. Um, I love my dog Otis, my new puppy, so much. And so while ideally if I was going to have a dog, I would want to say it's him, but it's not. Because I, I feel like it would definitely be a dog, but it has to be the dog that represents my energy the best. And so I would have a husky on my back because I am big, dumb, and lovable. And so like that's my that's my um, persona within the Yakuza, I think. And so I would have a husky back tattoo. And so now I'm curious for the two of you if you know what your animal or mythical creature would be. Now I know. At first, I thought, I'm, I have no idea. I'm going to have to think about this for a while. I'm going to d- d- delay this entire pod. No, now I know, after you said that. Um, it would be Grumpy Cat. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that feels it would be so Grumpy fitting. Cat because I, I am generally uh, in a decent mood most of the time, but there are certain factors <laughs> where I, I am Grumpy Cat. I will just glare and be like, don't talk to me. Don't bother me. Don't talk to me. Just leave me be. I have a mug. I have a coffee mug that has a grumpy cat on it that says, uh, good morning. No such thing. I love it. Perfect. (laughs) I I, I had a grumpy cat with like a banner that says that, like, no such thing. And then I would just take people out. That's awesome. I'm really happy with it, actually. I love that. Uh, that is a fantastic question. Um, I just a point of clarity. This has to be an animal. Uh, so animal or, styling? Uh, no, it can be a mythical creature. Like um, uh, there, any creature. It can be though, whatever like, you like want to be. Animate. What, yeah. Whatever makes you ready Honestly, to yeah. beat up on yakuza mob members or or uh, disgruntled youth. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> it is that that yeah. gets that into your into your spirit, you know. Yeah, it can be any creature or anything. Like if like if there's another person you want to get tattooed on your back, like sure, go for it. Like whatever. <laughs> um well, I've got a couple potential answers here. Um one isn't an animate being whatsoever, but like when I was younger, like probably closer to 19 years old or so, I really wanted to get the um the human transmutation circle from Full Metal Alchemist yeah, Brotherhood on I love my back. That. That's cool. Um but it 
it, I was going to get like my entire back was going to be this, but the tattoo artist in question at the time was like, this is going to fade and blend into each other really quickly. Yeah. And you're no longer going to be able to read all of the distinct characters. Uh, so I was heavily cautioned against doing that. Um, although, I mean, in this like anime Japanese universe, I feel like I could kind of get oh, away yeah. with it. Tattoos don't bleed in, in anime. Yeah, e- exactly, exactly. So, so maybe there's a version of me that would go for that, and I can just like, I don't know why I would want to do human transmutation in a Yakuza <laughs> fight, but like, hey, it's an option. Right. Um, another thing that I, I feel like I should mention here is um, Katie mentioned an online internet famous cat. Um, the first animal that came to mind was uh, another internet famous cat um called little bub oh, i don't know yeah, if little either bub. of you ever knew little bub uh-huh. um little bub was like a cat that had like osteoporosis and like uh didn't really have like a firm jaw and stuff it's <laughs> like it as a result had really cute oh, like eyes and a tongue yeah. sticking out the whole time and like it was known for like science and magic and i got to meet this cat um it went like on tour and stuff. <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> this went. feels like such yakuza conversation. Yeah, it really I'm does. just like the weirdest <laughs> nonsense, and I'm like, yes, I'm here for it. It's a sub story. You got to meet the cat with osteoporosis. Yeah, exactly. Um, the science and magic cat, um, and and like as far as vibes and themes channeling through the fight, like science and magic, I feel like that's that's enough to overcome someone on a rooftop when I'm ripping my shirt off. Yeah. Um, and I guess the final thing I, I'll say is, like, it's still technically a being, but uh, in the background of my stream is a Haunter plushie. Yeah. I think having a giant Haunter on my back would be awesome, because Haunter's, like, the perfect hybrid of, like, emo, but silly. Yeah. And um, and so all that. of the things I just mentioned. Sure. Maybe all at those? once. All yeah. together. Yeah. I, I could probably keep going, but, like, this isn't the Tattoo Podcast. <laughs> no. This is the Oxy Zero Podcast. Correct. Well, thank that's, you. That's a wonderful question. And thank you for humoring me. I enjoyed your responses. Yeah. That's great. Um, So in our first part one episode of Yakuza 0, we sort of set the stage for what this game is. We talked a little bit about the mechanics. We delved into some of the character introductions a little bit, um, but we didn't really get into any of the actual plot or any of the actual like nuances of the characters, how they develop, what the relationships are, all of those sorts of things. Um, But we left things off from Katie kind of just dipping like I guess her ankle deep into the story and I kind of want to know from there like what your overall impressions were takeaways any highlights we can kind of just start anywhere Katie um how was the rest of Yakuza 0 (laughs) that's a big question start Um, anywhere well so yeah we left off meeting Majima pretty Mm -hmm. much right around there the first Majima chapter well, just to like refresh the listener at least, um, mm. you were suggesting you were in a position of like, I didn't expect to really like this. And if you gave me this this pitch on paper, I probably wouldn't have been sold. But when you were dropped into the absurdity, the kind of vacillation between serious melodrama and absurd practical comedy, um, you just kind of were ready for the shock and the unexpectedness. Mm-hmm. Do you so, think that continued? Okay, so... It definitely did. One, okay, the melodrama, it just ramps up and up and up and up. Yep. I mean, you've got uh, brothers, metaphorical brothers, uh, show, having a showdown in the in the forest, in the dark <laughs> forest, and like, you're my brother, and like all that stuff. And then, and then you know, we'll talk about how the plot unveils itself and how I did not see, shocker, didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, but... I think one of my biggest takeaways is that it ne- it never stopped surprising me. Um, 
even though I played, I played so much this game and I still have not played. Like I tapped out. I was like, okay, I'm done. I played, I did, because I tried to do as much side stuff as I could because I wanted to. Right. Um, and I kind of took that as far as my appetite for it took me, which was very far. I played this game for over 79 hours. Let's go. That sounds about How right. did it happen? It just <laughs> melted away. Yep. It, but in the completion percentage on the screen, I completed 61% of this game. Yep. yep. How is that possible? <laughs> um, that's still a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. The completion list is no joke. No. So, um, yeah, just the side quest just kept on surprising me. Like, I thought I, I was like, I think I have a handle on this and, like, what I'm going to be shown. Um, kind of same thing with the plot. Like, I'm like, I think I have an mm-hmm. idea of the plot, more or less. And then, no, it, you don't. Um, there are surprises to be had. There are uh, dominatrixes to meet. Um, <laughs> I, yep. I, I just, uh, yeah, it just, it, 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 kept, it kept bringing me back. And I just kind of want to run around the street and see what I ran into. And, um, yeah, it continued for a long time. Well, since you brought up your hour count, Katie, um, something close to 80 hours, I'm curious, Matt, um, do you happen to have a figure in the ballpark of how long you've put into Zero? Unfortunately, I don't. Um, it was on Game Pass, and I've since uninstalled it just to make room on my computer. Oh, totally fair. Um, and I don't think Game Pass keeps that info. Uh, if it does, it, it's not super readily available um i can stall while i look it up but i mean i will say that i did put (laughs) a ton of time into it because for me like i moved with the story pretty quick but then somewhere point Mm -hmm. around the middle of the story i really started to realize uh exactly like the ridiculousness of the sub stories so like i the the pre a little preamble like in the side quest episode i mentioned my friend talks about the um real estate um like mini games and how the bowling mini game is related to it and a certain chicken that you unlock and like that was my gateway into the bowling part of the game because it's like well i gotta get Uh the chicken i need i need to know about the (laughs) chicken obviously i have to get the chicken and so like for me it was one of those things where i was like all right well i i did this so now let's see what other kind of sub stories there are and like i just i went down a rabbit hole and i i also did not do all of them um so, oh, this 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 doesn't help. So it says time played two days, one hour, and thirty eight minutes. But I don't days doesn't help me because that's not so like fifty hours. Yeah, I guess so. I was on the lighter side. Yeah, fifty about fifty hours, something like that. Um, Only fifty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like that's the thing about the Yakuza games that I think I love is like you could dive super deep into the story and st- mm-hmm. and the submissions and still not get anywhere near everything done. And it could be kind of crazy yeah. making. Like I used to be a completionist uh, back in the day, but I started saying about I think it was last year on my video game podcast that my new kink is ignoring side quests. Because, like, <laughs> I played so many large games and, like, you just, like, The Witcher 3 I loved, but you cannot finish that game if you do all the side quests. You have to. Yeah. You have to sure. ignore them and just play the main story. And, like, I had started playing Final Fantasy fourteen also, which is, like, a great MMO. Huge. But, like, and you can ignore the side quests in that game and still level up appropriately for the content. But, like, mm-hmm. you, I, like, it just, you can't. And so, like, this is another one of those games, like, in 
eventually I tap out, like Katie was saying, on the submissions just because they're all great, but I also have other stuff to do and other games to play. So, like, yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those things where I love the game, but eventually I need to go get through the main story. Yeah. And then I would get my fill of sub stories yeah. and then go, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I gotta continue this story and then go back into the story and be just as enthralled all Mm -hmm. over again. Yeah. Um, Like, I mean, one of the major, you know, plot stories is, is it Makoto? Is that her name? Yeah. I'm bad with names. Yeah, Makoto Makimura. Who, Majima is tasked with assassinating her Mm -hmm. and then, you know, changes his mind basically and doesn't want to do it and ends up being like her caretaker. And, and then that pairing up with the Tachibana character from the Kiryu um, story, who Mm -hmm. is basically presents at first as a real estate developer who's Mm -hmm. trying to like go up against the Yakuza. Mm-hmm. More or less, um, and then th- it's kind of similar to what I said before. Like, if you wrote this on paper, I'm not that interested. It doesn't sound yeah. that interesting, really. Yeah. Um, but just the way everyone's so involved, and the way that Majima gets so emotionally attached um, mm-hmm. with the whole situation, really just like grounds you in. And then also cure you with. Um, Nishi, help me out. Uh, Nishikiyama? Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, those two. I didn't care for him at first, the uh, Nishikiyama. Yeah. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no. No, they're brothers. I was like, no, I like him now. And then it just, I don't know. It just grabs you. Yeah. It's one of those things that I love about this narrative and every other Yakuza game. And Flora can back me up. But, like, most of the multi-story because Yakuza does this a bunch one and two don't really have multiple stories but then the games after that do kind of have simultaneous rails Mm -hmm. going together and every time you start one you go I have no idea how this is going to connect to the other stuff like and then every time they stick the landing when they connect them and like that's what I love so much about the story in this game is so I already liked Kiryu. I had heard a little bit about him, but like I also knew who Majima was. I knew he was this Joker-esque character, the irony which Mark yeah. Hamill voices him in the American version for the PS2. Um, but like this goofy character that's over the top, and like, of course, being a uh, a pansexual, non-binary human, when I saw both Kiryu and this version of Majima, I went, "Oh no, they're both so hot." Oh no, <laughs> uh, but like then got so wrapped up in their storylines, and then like how everything resolves itself like when if you get through zero and then you move on to literally any other game in the series you are only rewarded for playing zero because of how things tie back to what happened to majima specifically care you also but like especially the melodrama that majima goes through in this and the heartbreak and how you see this upstanding pretty mild-mannered person essentially have a psychotic break in real time is just fascinating to me like they don't just make him a crazy person like he goes through it and it's just the I just I love the writing also the Japanese voice actors in this game like are it's oh, some yeah. of the best like I hear that like a dragon has incredible English voice hacking and I don't fault anyone who wants that right totally get it I'm playing persona mm-hmm. 5 persona 5 has English voice acting but they all say they're speaking Japanese so like I get it but like for me I I cannot play these games in English the Japanese is what I want to hear because it just feels so core to the melodrama not just the the voice acting and the culture and so yeah i i 
I love how this this story specifically above all of the others connects those dots, especially with the real estate story. Because like you said, Katie, like it, it doesn't sound like it would be interesting. But yeah. they make Kiryu's it Kiryu's done being a Yakuza member and he so he goes into real estate. Yeah. Great. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm running down the street going, I'm gonna buy this building and I'm gonna buy that building too. And uh and, and Tachibana, what about him? And like now he's my friend and yeah, just it, yeah, it's well done. Yeah, and there, I, I would just echo so much of what you just said, Matt. Like um, the way that this game nods to future games. Like this game is made so late in the cycle of Yakuza development that they're able to like strategically place those nods. Yeah. Like one of my favorite sub stories involves um, a preview of an adolescent version of one of the main antagonists of a future Yakuza game, uh, Ryuji uh, Goda. Yeah. Uh, the little blonde kid. I don't know if if um, you both played this the sub story here, but like there's a guy who has had his pants stolen. Um, <laughs> And that's like the beginning inciting incident here. And then later you fight this little like preteen slash young teenager. And uh, it's this punk kid with blonde hair and he wallops you. Uh, this is in Sotenbori. And uh, it turns out, it, I want to say the uh, quest is is called like um, the, oh gosh, Rise of the Dragon. And um, that's that's a future antagonist, like a final boss character, and in, in a uh, I, I want to say either Kiwami or Kiwami Two. I believe it's Kiwami uh, so Two. So those yeah. nods are, yeah, the, those nods are there. And then um, the other point I'd echo about the Japanese voice acting, like I don't know if you've played um, the Judgment games at all. I played a but, little bit um, of the first one. I want to play. I, I have it, and I want to play it. I just I haven't gotten through it yet. Yeah, I, I think Judgment, for some reason, like even though it's very similar, um, it didn't grab me right away in the same way. Although Lost Judgment, the second one, I think is is fantastic and of the same caliber as like a Yakuza 0 or a Like a Dragon. Um, but the point that you made about like, even if I have the option, I wouldn't want to turn on the English uh, voice acting. I, I feel exactly the same way because I think the delivery of that is part of the vibe and the, the tone of all of this. Uh, part of what keeps me drawn in the Yakuza world is like how authentically Japanese it feels. And um given the fact that I've never spent time in that specific culture, um, that immersion, I think, is really important uh, linguistically. Um, There's more to be said, but, like, I guess the final thought there is um, this game's plot is all centered around an empty, abandoned lot. Mm -hmm. Um, This little tiny piece of seemingly insignificant uh, property and um, that piece of real estate not only anchors all of the conflict in Yakuza 0, but the result of that architecturally, like once that is joined with everything else, becomes a recurring theme in all of the Yakuza games over and over and over. So Yakuza 0 really sets the sort of like motifs for the series, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, I also think having being on the hindsight being 2020 and being on the other side of having played all of these games now, mm-hmm. like... Ultimately, I want people to get into the series. Folks who start with like with like a dragon, it's a good starting point. It's a new hero. But like for me, it I've done this with a few different series, some shorter, some longer. There's just it just feels more rewarding to see a story all the way through in order. And like I did it last year with the Shantae series, which are much shorter, much <laughs> more arcade games. But getting to have played the first one on the Game Boy Color, although the Switch version, and then go all the way up through the newest one that came out only a couple of years ago. When I finished that last game, I was like, this, like, it's a complete story. Like, it just, I'm not a completionist anymore, but narratively, I love complete stories. I love watching entire seasons of stuff. I like watching entire series of stuff. And I think because Yakuza is so narratively focused, it felt like just watching an episode of TV every time I played a chapter. 
like because of like the beat 'em up stuff is fun and I love it and and boy do I love throwing people around like a wrestler beast mode favorite <laughs> but like there's something so compelling about the narrative that like when I get to put my controller down for a minute and just kind of watch and vibe and enjoy these narrative moments it's just it's they're just so well written in a way that even some of the best well-written games, like I mentioned Witcher 3 before, which for the most part is a pretty well-written game, it just doesn't compare. It's like apples and oranges. And I think it's because even though the battles are not grounded in reality, like on almost any level, the narrative is. And it it get it also is not afraid to be... Like we I mentioned the karaoke jokingly before. Like <laughs> this game is not afraid to be tender and the Yakuza series is not afraid to be tender with men in a way that I feel like a lot of other franchises are like, there are still some things that can lean a little into homophobia and like just, but, and, and I, you expect that with mafia stories, right? And menly men, but like Kiryu is a sensitive person who deeply yeah. cares for his brother. Like, you know, and then Majima's story, especially knowing even a little bit about Majima later to see him feel so tender and kind and caring for this, this blind woman who he ends up falling for is just, it's, it's so saccharine sweet, you know, on the other side of like teaching a dominatrix to be a dominatrix, right? Like, so that, <laughs> that I think ultimately is why I love this story so much. It just tackles writing in a way that I feel like no other game has or has made me cry or feel like I compare it to the Mass Effect series, which I've also been very emotionally invested in for many years. Yeah. But like, that's the kind of thing that I love. Not every game needs to have it, but it's what keeps me coming back to Yakuza is absolutely the writing. The other stuff is great too, but that's what like really pulls me in like makes me lean in like you were saying katie like like really get invested yeah and i think the the melodrama of it is what keeps me because i'm not usually one for things are very sweet or uh, loving and tender i'm like that that's great but it's not usually something that keeps me someplace Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's the melodrama that's layered on top that i don't know that just keeps me like entertained at the same time like to me that is like the sugar that goes with like not the medicine I mean I love the story Um, I really really enjoyed it but that's like the the entertainment factor that's added on top of it that it keeps me like it's almost like popcorn cinema along with this greatly written story um yeah it's just it's it's great I'm in I'm so in (laughs) I will I will at some point I will play the other games. I will Ooh, probably excellent. be on a little bit more on the mainlining side. Yeah. Like I'm going to pick yeah. and choose which games that I'm going to like sink into for a while. I'm probably just going to like mainline it because there's too many of them. There's just too many. <laughs> and if they all have like this much to do, I you can't do that. Um, no, but no, I I am I am sold. I'm in. Hell yeah! I will mm-hmm. tell you the thing I've told other folks diving in. Um, my recommendations are to to try and sample the sub stories, but honestly, the mainline narrative is totally worth it. Um, you, uh, Kiwami one is pretty good. Kiwami two, I think, is better. Three is going to be the toughest hurdle because three yeah. in the remaster collection is the oldest. It's a PS3 game, and so it's the mm-hmm. clunkiest, but it's mm-hmm. still got one of the better narratives. And there is a 
moment, I don't want to even spoil or hint at it, in that game that I think about and I cry. So, like, oh, like yeah. Um, but then 4 and 5 are both PS4 games, and they run pretty well, and they introduce one of the suavest and coolest characters in the franchise. Um, and then uh, 6 is just the perfect capstone to Kiryu's um, narrative, and that's a PS4 game and uh, looks incredible. And then, of course, Like a Dragon is great. I think that, like... I think for sure one and two, you probably want to do more like Yakuza Zero, just because it's they're similar, not the same. But three, three, four, and five, you may want to mainline just because they're great, but they are the roughest, especially three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wholeheartedly endorse that sort of playlist recommendation <laughs> there, where like these games vary in the essential nature of their side content, and and the mechanical clunkiness is a major factor in that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely agree with Matt in the sense that like jumping back to three uh, doesn't feel natural, not to mention there's a major like setting shift, pacing shift in the in the first act of that game. Um, and and the remake nature of Kiwami and Kiwami 2, I think, makes them very accessible to like the side content that you're probably going to be feeling a little more used to from zero. Um, but like I, there's there's a real chance that you could play this series and you'll just start to feel like repetition and burnout. I didn't feel that way personally, but like we're talking hundreds of hours yeah. of content. Yeah. I wouldn't dive in right away. No. I was like, oh no, that's that's a later thing, yeah. but I do intend to. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a ton there. The, the one other Since... thing about three I'll say is it's very funny to play that after playing zero one and two because time-wise it's the first of the games to have voice acting and this cast so like the kiryu voice actor who sounds so consistent through zero one and two is the same japanese kiryu in three but it was the first time the games had the japanese voice actors i didn't know that and so it sounds like him but there are moments where it doesn't because he's just he's he's discovering the character yeah like after that he's been this character so long it's so easy but like and I believe Majima it's his first time also having that voice actor as well in that game and it's just it's very funny when you play in order because it's like solid 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 oh what's up with the voice acting solid 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 because it's just they they were learning the the PlayStation two games had English voice actors I think I they may have done the voices in the Japanese versions I don't know but just from the American audience side like I noticed that uh, which was pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. So. You mentioned earlier, like, oh, moments from three, moments from this, moments from yeah. uh, such and such. Moments in this game, because there there's a good amount of them. Yeah. For me, I think the moment where I went <gasps> more than any, there were there were plot ones that that were surprising. Right. Um, I mean, the, the things, you know, your biggest ones are that Makoto is turns out is the owner of the um the lot empty lot yeah of the empty lot and then also that makoto and tachibana are siblings are long lost siblings um who grew up in china and came over and lost each other more or less and then Mm -hmm. i've been trying to get you know find each other again um Mm -hmm. but the moment that i went (gasps) was when tachibana gets hit in the head with a sledgehammer Mm-hmm. And I actually like gasped yeah. out loud yeah. because I was that like, wouldn't... oh, because it was just so gruesome. And I was like, well, he's dead. Like you get I, it's Yakuza. We're 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 blowing people up with Marlin cannons. But in a cutscene, <laughs> the man got hit in the head with a sledgehammer. I was like, oh, my God, he's dead. And yeah. I didn't see I you see it coming because that 
Yakuza boss is like glaring at him menacingly and you're like, he's up to something. But he grabs the sledgehammer. I was like, oh, oh no. Something's going to stop it. Like something's going to happen. Yeah. And you see him get hit with this thing. And yeah, I just sat back and gasped and was like, oh no, anything can happen. Oh no. And then, and then his whole, his death was, um, was the saddest for me, the saddest part of the entire game was like the most emotionally affecting moment. Yeah. I totally agree. I didn't see that coming either. And then the fact that that death scene leads to a failed reuniting between these siblings where they have been sort of fighting against the odds to reunite this whole time. And Makoto's just outside of this mm-hmm. place where Tachiban has been tortured. Uh, I want to say by Kuze's men. And um, and Kuze's like a lieutenant in the Dojima family who you fight like five times. Oh my God. Like oh my so God. Over and over and over again. I was like, I'm fighting this man again. Yeah, I it, not to, not to derail the emotional catharsis of of the scene there, but like I thought when you said like moments in the mm-hmm. Yakuza Zero game, like the one that I will never forget is when Kuze's in an underground tunnel uh, and Kiryu's I was just gonna been bring running, that up. I was like just like gonna bring in, that in up. the. Yeah, in the sewers, and he he shows up at the other end of this tunnel on a motorbike, turns on the light, and then with like a lead pipe in his arms, screaming, and we get like <laughs> this close up still frame, and it like gives us the bold text of who this guy is. He then comes and slams with the acceleration of a motorbike this iron pipe into Kiryu's forearm. He just blocks it, uh, and then fine. they fight. Everything's it's fine. So good. Uh, uh, derailing a little bit, the tra- one of the more recent trailers for Ishin shows that actor because you know it's based on an actual like like lore folk to- folk tale but motorcycles and the... tunnels and well, no no the actor who plays kuze is playing a different character in ishin because yeah. it's based on folklore yeah. but they are ah. supplanting all of these yakuza characters to play these folklore characters and like when i saw him I was like oh awesome because his performance is just excellent in this but yeah. like mm-hmm. yeah i I love the boss fights so much. They just get more and more ridiculous. But going back to that, like, that's the scene that broke me. That and then, of course, the scene after where I think it's in the rain and she's in the lot, like, with the watch or whatever. Like, oh, the yeah. reveal of the watch, his watch or whatever, when she finally has mm-hmm. it. Like, I just wept. I just wept. Like, I just. Yeah. And then even, like, you know, Majima worked so hard to reunite and did so much for this girl. And then, like, again, uh, ostensibly the birth of the Mad Dog when we see that happen. Like, that heartbreaking yeah. scene where he just doesn't engage. He just pretends like he doesn't know her. And she, of course, can't see. So, she like, yeah. she doesn't know him. Like, just, ugh. Just to fill in a little bit of that in case uh, it's been a while for someone listening, like um, the mad dog scene that you're referring to at the end of the game, um, Makoto's character is is blind this whole game. And uh, this is due apparently to psychological trauma that there's an inciting moment towards the late game of the story where she starts to get her vision back. And, And as she does, the game sort of concludes with her seemingly being fully functional with her vision again. And... This whole relationship that she's built with Majima's character throughout the entire game um, has been without seeing him. And so Majima chooses to kind of remain silent in this moment. And there's no moment to confirm that this is the person that she's built this like almost anonymous, quasi anonymous relationship with. Yeah. Uh, And Majima sort of um, in that moment doing us 
let's say a self-sacrificial gesture because it would be really easy for him to like bully this like salesperson yeah. salary man boyfriend that she's now got yeah. that poor boyfriend. Um, he, yeah he like he goes up uh to the boyfriend and is like hey make sure you protect her and take care of her no matter what sort of thing and he gets a determined response which then enables him to so to speak, move on. Th- that's a genuinely heartbreaking moment yeah. because um, it, the the presumption of unrequited love in that scenario, when nothing bad happened, nothing catastrophic happened between these characters, other than that growth yeah. had pulled them apart. Uh, I, I think that really resonated with me, especially on the second playthrough. Yeah, I should acknowledge the elephant in the room that like blindness handled here is a little ableist, right? Like you can't just yeah. cure blindness. Um, no, yeah, but- that was uh, odd. Yeah. The whole thing. I, I was it, like, wait, why a, is she blind? Why can she see? Yeah. Uh, and, it was and, confusing. But it's but. a narrative hook, and I get why they did it, yeah. but yeah. I can totally understand a blind person or someone who's partially blind to be annoyed or even offended by that. Like, it is kind of haphazard at best. But, you know, it, I, I, I agree. I think that, you know, also at that point in the story, you're so, even though he's become the mad dog, you're still so behind this character, behind Goro Majima, and like... yeah. It's just, uh, God, I can't. I can't even think about it too long. It just, it, it kills me. But I, I just love the lead up to that. I think that, again, the, the empty lot, which just becomes more important as the series goes on, it's constantly mentioned in every chapter all the time. And yet you still have no idea why it's important until we get to that end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely, you go, oh, the significance matters once you realize that Makoto is the owner. And you're like, yeah. okay, that's where we're tying yep. this all together. Because yep. everything, there's mismatched pieces everywhere. Yeah. That you didn't really understand how they fit. Um, and then they fit them all together um, in, yeah, in a really good way. So I think that um, the slow reveal of the significance of the empty lot is worth unpacking a little bit as well. Like... In the beginning of the game, this empty lot is kind of obscured in its importance. Like, the game begins there, where Kiryu, like, is taking care of some, again, salesperson. Uh, he assaults him, whatever, takes money from him and leaves, and then he's in framed. Uh, yeah, I just, like, diminished the importance of assault, sorry. <laughs> um, he, he then, the guy dies by gunshot, which Kiryu didn't have a gun on the scene, and so the game begins because of this, like, murder framing plot, and, like, Kiryu leaves the Yakuza to, like go ahead and be able to investigate the the situation freely blah 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 but as we move forward we start to see from like majima's perspective with um his sort of handler uh uh sagawa Mm -hmm. who uh has been like threatening him and controlling him and giving him orders and getting him to control this cabaret that he's running and blah 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 um all of these things we we just get snippets until the point where it feels like there's it's almost like a series of russian nesting dolls of who is playing what degree of chess in this yeah. uh this story so you start off and you think that there's just this grunt in this henchman sort of like relationship and they got vague orders from someone way up top and then you realize that all of these intermediary people are also accounting for the fact that these people will behave in various ways and like towards the late game we get this reveal that this other character um i want to say shimano uh, is is the one who's like, oh, I knew that Majima wouldn't be able to go through with this hit on uh, Makoto Makimura, and so I, of course, I I sent him that way. And betr- like all of these layers, they're incredibly unrealistic, yes. um, but they they add to that melodrama, and it just keeps having further like rug pulls the whole game through. Yeah, there was an issue for me where I was like, okay, there's too many people. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember. I was like, oh, that that person. 
they you were need, there. like a taxonomy. <laughs> yeah, I do. They, when they come back onto the screen, I need like a little bullet point like that. They talked to so and so, and they did this, and they. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't even remember who this person is. I was like, I know I've seen you. I know that you have a plot of some sort. But there are so many people yeah. that with, uh, with, with in such a convoluted story that mm-hmm. I was like, I kind of gave up on for certain characters of trying to remember who they were. I was like, I'm not going to know who you are. And that's OK. You're a, you're a big mean guy and you have a mm-hmm. plot and that, that's good enough. Yep. And then I kind of focused on certain pla- <laughs> certain people more so. The relationship between Majima and Sagawa mm-hmm. is the oddest thing to me. Mm-hmm. I I don't because throughout it all, I mean, he Sagawa tortures Majima at one point. Does he not? Full on, yeah, just, completely. And he's, he's like tied up to a pole. Yeah. Yes, and he's got him basically captive in this city, and he's like, "No, you're gonna work for me, and you need to make up this much money, and um, mm-hmm. you're in this like city prison, more or less." And I just, I did not understand, but, but to the end, Majima still kind of looks to him as almost like a, like a, not a father figure, but like a... Some paternal role. Like yeah. a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, when is this going to end? Like, I don't understand. All the way to the end. Like, yeah. that's how yeah. they part with like mutual respect somehow. And I just, that kind of made me want to play more Yakuza's because I was like, I don't, I feel like this has to go somewhere. Hmm. Um, I, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But even if I just spend more time with characters, and I'll, maybe I'll understand it better. Maybe I'll yeah. like I'll feel like I'll get it better. But that relationship was um, not that I didn't like it. Like I, I I didn't have any problems with it. I found it the most frustrating relationship, where I'm like just 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 step out of it. Like it's this abusive relationship that I'm like that you're. It's very frustrating to see someone you know stay in a situation, and you're like, but you can you can do this like you can do better you can get out you can figure out a way of, out of your situation he's very capable um yeah. and then yeah to the end i'm like oh he's still your mentor it's interesting yeah i mean i think that's just a through line with the yakuza franchise is these flawed mentors um and i think this game really sets that dynamic up because just about in every game a main character does have that kind of pull and pull um push and pull rather and uh, as far as not remembering characters, that's okay because every game after this will remind you of the important players oh, that great. you've already seen before. <laughs> because a lot of yeah. some, a lot of the living characters in this game appear again, at least in Kiwami mm-hmm. and Kiwami Two, and then it evolves from yeah. there. Um, so don't feel that bad about it. I think also for me, like even when I got to Like a Dragon, which I loved, and the cameos in that are top notch. There were some that I still was like, wait, who was that again? I know yeah. the face, what but like, so yeah. just, there's a lot of characters. And so don't mm-hmm. like, feel free to conf- consult a wiki. There's no harm in like refreshing, like you're fine. Totally legit. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And every game does that big, bold red text of like this mm-hmm. person, this role in this family. Um, the game just assumes by default that you need that context every time. And, and some of the scenes even redundantly spell some of those relationships out. Uh, it's, it's not exposition heavy in the same way that like, it's not like bad writing necessarily. Uh, it just always reassures you like, Hey, it's okay. We also know that there's 700 characters per game. Um, 
I, I think the success of this game and the amount of characters in it is that they're all visually distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that it's easy to confuse them from a visual standpoint, but as far as like, oh, where do you fit in the family mm-hmm. tree? Uh, I couldn't tell you even what branch they fit on most of the time. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I can pinpoint the three lieutenants, like the major players over the empty lot who was fighting for it. I can tell you like, oh, this really, really old guy is the patriarch, um, so on and so forth. But like, beyond that there's so many like i think this is also added to by like the uh proliferation of sub stories and and all these other smaller characters that you deal with it's it's simply impossible without diagramming it out to have that all memorized i think um the other big moment for me as far as like touchstones in the story is uh makoto wants to get revenge because uh some of the yakuza bosses basically had touchmana killed yeah. Yep. Kuze? I don't know. Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so she plots revenge. She wants to, she's basically like, oh, yeah, I'll give you the empty lot. You didn't even have to pay me for it, but you're going to have to kill all of your lieutenants. Yeah. Which was, uh, was like, it felt like a very, um, like, melodramatic anime uh, plan. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah. like, did you think that was going to work? Did you? And then they're like, no, we're just going to kill you and take it. I'm like, well, yeah, that was what was going to happen. Um, but still, that moment of of it going back on her. And also, you could tell that she was just that desperate to get revenge. She's like, well, this is what I have. I have the empty yeah. lot. So that's the one thing of value that I have that they want. So I'll use that. And then obviously, it doesn't work out because she's she's playing in a in a pond with very, very big fish. And she is a minnow, yeah. and she gets shot and nearly killed. Yeah. Um, I was upset when I thought that she was actually dead. Yeah. I would. That was the closest I got to being like I. I could, if she, if she had died, I could have welled. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I was I waiting it. for it. I was like, no, she's not dead. Never mind. I'm not going to well up. But <laughs> I could have if we had gotten there. Uh, that's a note worth commenting on as well is that there's so many moments in Yakuza 0 in particular this game in the series where like characters get shot or like they presumably they're killed and then they come back just deus ex machina over and over and over (laughs) and like some characters think oh i went to the hospital and now i have a crutch and like or or some other characters like oh i just have bandages around me and i'm able to fully fight the next scene later um that becomes a trope throughout the game and i know we spoke about this on part one but like canonically kiryu has never killed anybody correct um but like (laughs) the rules around that are incredibly fluid and and just sketchy um there's like a a scene early in the game uh sorry not early in the game but um earlier than that scene i believe where um you there's like a car shootout you're you're leaning out of the window oh, yeah, of it's cars a mini game. And shooting, shooting like mm-hmm. motorcycles and yeah. and yeah and helicopters and things it's it's part of a, a chapter at some point but i there's also the mini game component and um you're headshotting these people and they're exploding <laughs> <laughs> like after hitting the the ground at yeah. 90 miles an hour off their motorbike and it's just like there's no, no way those people are alive of course um, they are and yet you know the lore <laughs> is consistent so so the arbitrary rules around life and death in this game i think are unfortunately so fluid that they cheapen the drama like you mentioned the makoto thing yeah. being a moment where you could have welled up i agree like that was such a tragic moment i think i probably did well up on the second playthrough but like i cry at everything so i yeah. can't remember distinctly anymore um Same. 
the the later game stuff I know for a fact is is where I was weeping, especially at the very very end. But um, I I think the story could have potentially been stronger if not for that like let's rush to the hospital and save her life and then she's going to come back and have this revenge bent plot and like i i'm fine without that despite really liking the whole the moment we mentioned between uh like mad dog majima and uh and makoto who can now see yeah so yeah i and i will say also uh, minor spoilers that that the the bending the rules around death it comes back. Other characters, other I, games. I assume so, yeah. yes. It, it, yeah. it does. I do wanna, Whenever is convenient. I do want to jump back to <laughs> mini games a little bit because we, we, yeah. we have yet to talk about the greatest mini game ever invented, the cabaret oh. mini game. Because, Thank oh, you. So good. Because, like, Thank so, you. So good. So I, I hate to keep referring back to my own show. Oh, woe is me. But, like, that SideQuest episode, <laughs> what also got my interest is, like, Derek literally yells into the microphone, by the way, where is my cabaret minigame Sega? I would play it on my phone all the time. Give it to me. I'm I'd like, buy I it. can't agree more. Like if they gave me like if they gave me a separate just a game of just that, and I typically hate that. I didn't like the Gwent game that was separate. Like I don't typically like that, but for this, the cabaret oh, minigame. Give me a mobile game. Yeah, Abs- I want it. Running the cabaret. I want it. Yes. 100%. Please. <laughs> I that was the one thing. Well, there was a lot of things. I was like, I need to do this, I need to do this. Like I looked at the of course they give you a list in the game that's like checks off and it's very satisfying and it just like it just ruins all my time my lifetime management but um (laughs) as I got later into the game and I was like okay I'm starting to dwindle a little bit I'm starting to pick and choose more of what things I'm going to do and what I'm not yeah but it was still like but but I'm going to max out that cabaret mini game the real estate game I I, near the end I was like it's okay. I yeah. don't need to finish yeah. this. Um, I got like three quarters of the way. And I was like, nah, I'm okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Cabaret. That is my place. I will run that yeah. place like a pro. It, it, it's it's perfect. I will I will flip one girl from this yeah. table to this table. And oh, this guy needs... Uh, okay, I'll swap these out. And oh, it's just... And the music. And I'm oh. just like... And it's the same song <laughs> uh, every time. Every and I didn't time. get sick of it. I, listened, I probably listened to that music for, I don't know, probably like six hours yeah. at, least. at least. At least. And, yeah, I, and least. I'm still like just bobbing, yeah. just bobbing away, just so, like giving, bringing the menu and bobbing. So I've got bad news for you, Katie. Um, just <gasps> oh, no. about every Yakuza game after this one has a cabaret minigame. So not I'm not all of bad them, at it. Not, not all of them, but uh, for sure, I'm almost positive Kiwami 1 and 2 do. And then I know... Yeah. Uh, and then I think some of the other ones too, but like they definitely do come back. And if not, there are other mini games that are more or less just like it or similar. So. Uh, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I will mainline those games and run the cabaret. Exactly. That's fine. It's fine. I can add that on. <laughs> yeah, the cabaret is so in depth. Like you mentioned, like just simply like managing yeah. the active cabaret battles. Like to frame that as a battle yeah. is maybe worth explaining as well, because you're competing against other clubs for like. Uh, a monopoly of Sotenbori in the area. There's like five clubs basically, and you like escalate the scale of them, and they, like the clientele you receive becomes increasingly rich, which means that um, pickier. You have to be like, sorry, they're pickier. Yeah, they're way pickier. Mm-hmm. Um, you you recruit and expand your your hostess sort of lineup, and the main like named platinum hostesses they have 
very specific outfits that you can buy for them, like like down to the earring yep. uh, and like the shade of nail polish. Those things impact like how effective they are, how much money they can pull in. Um, and then there's all these hand signs that you have to like memorize and learn from the oh. table where the hostess, they'll, there'll be like a little like, hey, we need attention at this table gesture. And then you zoom into the table with a blindingly white screen. Um, that is relevant because I had to start closing my eyes because it was hurting them when I was playing these games. Um, but like... They, they'll put up like a, a full open palm or something or like um, they'll put like a circle with three fingers on each Change side. new ashtray. That's what that means. Yeah. It, yeah. And you start <laughs> to learn th- what that signifies and not even like think explicitly about it anymore. Yeah. You just automatically fill the need. It, it's so addicting and winning against these other clubs, I think, is even more reassuring. Um, just like wanting to take over and win against everybody yeah. like that becomes an obsessive pursuit. I would also agree that the real estate thing kind of burns out after a time. Yeah. But the yeah. the uh, and I finished that and hundred percent of it like for the sake of trying to get the plat. But um, the cabaret club like it deserves its own separate installment. I would play that yeah. uh, for for another dozen hours. And and mini games also was a thing that kept surprising me. I'm like, yeah. oh, now there's an underground blood sport arena. <laughs> Why not? With like hey, where you have to fight out. off a uh, evil a doctor who's been murdering his clients and like come up with these backstories for the people that you're fighting, and I'm like, sure, why not? And then also, is it called the Cat Fight Club? Oh no, you played the Cat Fight Club a little bit. Oh, I did. Rock paper and scissors, I was like, but misogyny. What? Is yeah. this uh, where wild. am I? Like I said, uh, not a perfect game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to hate against it, yeah. but it's clearly like one of the most objectifying to women. It's one of the strangest I've things ever I've ever seen. seen. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about the mechanics of the actual cat fighting, uh, or, is, sure. or do you want to just like forget about it? <laughs> I mean, I can go quick. Yeah, it's like rock paper scissors, and if you win, then your girl will pin the other girl in some kind of way, or like kick her in the face, or something. Or um, just hold her in a way that's weird and kind of sexually suggestive and uncomfortable. Um, that was another one where my spouse walked by and he goes, what are you playing? Yeah. Uh, another thing, I um, I, I remember, because uh, we moved into my house not not a little bit ago, but we, we still don't have blinds, basically. We mm-hmm. should, but we still oh. don't. So um, I was, all of a sudden, I was like, hmm. I'm hoping the neighbors aren't looking through my window as I'm uh, doing the uh, telephone um, oh, dating the thing. Oh. And there's like a uh, a girl in her underwear and I'm like doing like, what are you wearing? And they're like, what is your body like? And I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. What is this? My, my favorite thing, I shared a gif of this on Twitter today, but uh, the, the dramatic way that he picks up the phone and then just... Hey. Yes. Hi there. Like I just yeah, I love hi. it every time. The drama. The, the mini games yeah. are unbelievable, and the wackier the better. I think it's in one or two. There's a like for, for photograph these models mini game, and the and it's like real. Oh, no. <laughs> it's real women, like real actual probably porn stars, like Imran said in the first one. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, that they're posing, and you take photos of them, and it's like real video. Like it's real, like actual footage of these actual actresses or mm-hmm. or porn stars, and it's just. 
mind-boggling. It's like, and but then the mini game of it is still fun, even though the rest of it is weird. And like, and I love that too. Like, I have to shout out the dancing mini game and the karaoke mini games as well. Mm-hmm. Like, the They're the rock star music videos in the karaoke game are so good. And then the dancing. I mean, you know, we celebrate it every Friday night in the Discord. But like, it's just, it's so goofy. It's so goofy. You can't not love it. Like watching Kiryu yeah. dance like a dork is just the best. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's so endearing. Um, there's other things in this game too that like we we haven't even talked about, like Pocket Circuit. Um, I don't oh, know. Oh, that was another depth. one. I maxed it out too. I'm like, I am winning. <laughs> really, this okay, pockets, this RC car Pocket Circuit thing, um, and it's basically so because you get so many points to a lot to build your car with like different parts, right? Um, and mm-hmm. you collect them as you go through the game, and then like you can buy them from the little stand in the Pocket Circuit place. Um, which mm-hmm. with uh, what's the guy called? A racer or something? What's his name? The guy that they call Virgin a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah the guy who runs the the pocket car. It's like um, racer or something. It's something very generic. Something about racing. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, um, that. I can't remember. But but so basically, you have to kind of they get allot you so many points for the race, and then the race will have different obstacles. So I, you, it's kind of a puzzle really mm-hmm. where you have to puzzle together which elements you need and at what cost, and like build the perfect car to win that race. Yeah. And yeah, that was one I just ran over and over and over oh, again, and I'd lose, and I go over and back, if, and I, I just couldn't stop. If you like that, then I can't <laughs> wait for you to get to like a dragon because there are some yeah. things in that game you are going to lose like yourself dragon in. Cart. Oh no! And Kiryu also same thing. The melodrama oh. when the car flips out of the race, out of the track, and just like no like the hands go <laughs> up or he holds his forehead and it's like oh yeah. like the devastation it's so good. Uh, it's just priceless i feel like i should maybe make a few remarks about the real estate thing that we blew past even though we said that hey we burnt out on it because there are some really interesting tie-ins of characters you can like recruit. oh my god uh, the- we hinted at nugget yes. the chicken that you get from the bowling alley i assume we all got nugget yes. um it's framed as nugget. if you're Oh, you that, was, really. that was a thing where I thought I have to get three strikes in a row. I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. So no, I'm I not just watched time on that. Uh, yeah. I watched a video on YouTube of like how to get yeah, the strikes. Because uh, too bad. I, I, yeah. It took like 10 minutes once I had the video in front of me. It took like 40 tries of just failure. And <laughs> just I was so discouraged tries. before. Yeah. Um, but, but once you get Nugget, Nugget's a fantastic financial manager yeah. of your real estate company. I, I, I also um, would be remiss if I didn't mention. So Nugget <laughs> is a live chicken that you get from a bowling mini game. What happens is... What, you ju- it's a chicken? Yeah. So, the chicken yeah, like is a, the manager? Real, so, so yeah, what happens? It's an actual animal chicken, yeah. yes. So, I thought it was going to be the woman, the, the, no. the, the receptionist, no, no, like the person who worked at the place. A, I so, didn't know it was going to be an actual physical chicken. That's probably what they're yeah, going to... So, I would have gotten that. So what the story is, and I again, I alluded to this in, in Derek's side quest, like... You you go to this bowling alley, you befriend this girl, and you start doing the league. And, like, they offer, if you get to this certain level or get three strikes in a row, whatever it was, you get a chicken dinner is what the, the tease is. Like, you get a yeah. fresh chicken dinner. What what that actually... I and say turkey. Or, or turkey, yeah. And then what, what that actually meant is, actually, we don't have a turkey dinner. We just have this chicken instead. Well, we can cook it for you if you want. And you're like, no, give me that chicken. Not the chicken. And you adopt the chicken, and it becomes your financial manager... It becomes a person you can use within your real estate empire. It's, it's a good it's one, a, a really good one too. It's not a gag; like it's yeah. played so serious. It's the best. Ugh. There's there's others too. Like um, one of my favorite side quests is about um, this. This is going to sound really messed up at first, but um, 
because the sub stories are so wacky, one of them involves a high school girl selling her panties in uh-huh. a Bruisero yes. thing. Um, and Kiryu intervenes in this and whatever. But because of, I mean, this is like the game framing the context here. Um, because of her financial savvy running her little small business here on the street corner, he then hires her as well as another manager in this finance company. Yep. And um, and just thinking that you would hire like a high school girl because of this like sex work sort of thing to run this real estate she company. She was incredibly successful. Yeah. Yeah, she was making <laughs> bank. great. Um, there, there's other characters too. Like there's like a, a poser musician you can hire and like every time you conquer a district you can get like the um, the the kings of each district to like come help out in these regards too. There, there's so much involved in that. Um, you recruit pretty much anyone you can build a relationship with and I think that really fleshes out the real estate thing despite the inevitable like monotony and diminishing returns that it starts to yield i feel like this is a perfect segue into sub story characters yeah yeah i mean we've referenced her many times already the dominatrix who my number um, one who is a bad bad yeah. dominatrix and you have to teach her like, to be a good dominatrix yes because she's like uh get on your knees please if that's okay with you and he's like no that's not how you do it and so then you have to you're rehearsing in a park yeah she's like well we'll go practice in the park next to the kids and she's like well if you were to say if you were to say this what would you say and you have to tell her the the like dominatrixy thing to say and i'm Mm -hmm. like just rolling through this i'm like well you'd say this and you'd say this and that was another moment of like what is this game and where am i and what am i doing but it was enjoyable every time i'm like oh yeah this is the answer of course yeah I, it's funny talking about the sub stories. I can hear the little jingle that plays at the start of every sub story in my head. <laughs> it's just it's so yeah. good. The music. Oh, and then you hide in the in the corner of the room during her first like S and M session yeah. with this client, and I'm like, this is strange. Um, she does a great job. Good for her. Yeah. Um, Get that money. <laughs> the other thing, I also yep. met. Um, you referred to them in the first pod michael jackson yeah not oh, named yeah. michael jackson was it magic johnson or something yeah, uh, not magic it's magic miracle something. johnson a miracle johnson maybe yeah. um and then i'm like that's that's michael jackson and then i go that's steven spielberg <laughs> yeah. but and it's like <laughs> yeah i it's like sean Spielberg or something it's something so <laughs> obvious and he's got like his baseball cap and he looks exactly yeah. like steven spielberg um, and you help them make a music video where you walk mm-hmm. down, run down the street with all these people dressed as zombies yeah. and basically recreate th- Thriller. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I <laughs> I was like, can they do this? Is Yes. Are they? The can they? Yes. I guess they can. They're not named <laughs> that. And I guess yeah. they're different enough. Um, but yeah, it was like, oh, that was another one. It's like, oh, they keep surprising me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm talking to Michael Jackson and Steven Spielberg and helping them make a music video. Yeah. Not the last time Kiryu also helps to make some kind of media also. He gets known a, pop culture he, media. He, he just gets wrapped up in other stuff. Producers always <laughs> want him. He looks like a dependable guy. Uh mm. it's just it's, Yeah. He's got a strong jaw. Yeah. I love how Kiryu can't say no and that he always wants to help. No. Yeah. Like that's well, I mean, uh, to be to be fair, I can't say no. That's true. There is a no option. There, There's yeah. a I'm too busy, I'll see you later and no. But no, nope. you're like I mean, Steven Spielberg wants to, I mean, I help him make a, a music video. Yeah. I mean, I have to see this through. How yeah. can you, you can't walk away from that. 
Um, I don't think I walked away from a substory until like chapter 15. Is it, I think there's 17 yeah. total. I think like 15, there was this lady in the street um, who basically gets the better of Majima or she's like 80 years old or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the Obitarian. She, yeah. Yes. And she like cuts in line and he's like, excuse me. And then she's like, he's yelling at me. And like, he, she gets the better of him. And I was the third time uh, she's like, she's there again. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I could go talk to her again. I was like, nah, I'm okay. I'm good. Um, yeah. But I'm still curious. It's still kind of in the back of my mind. Like what, it, what was going to happen there? Yeah. Cause it could have been anything. Anything could have happened. You never know. Well, Hold on, though. Um, the Obitarian quest, the old lady who, like, glomps onto Majima and, like, she she looks like she's having, like, almost a seizure when she's trying to come onto him sort of thing. She is a, a hostess you can yeah. recruit to the cabaret club, if you did not know that. Yeah. She's know one that. of the best, yeah. actually. <laughs> she doesn't take no um, for it, an answer. When it, I want to say, I forget, because there's different, like, personality traits that you have, like, funny and cute and yeah. whatever in the cabaret. She, I want to say she's, like, She's got Maxed a great personality, really good at talking to people, like mm. that sort of thing. Uh, and she, especially when things became snobby and picky for like the rich people and the mega rich people, she was one of my star players on the cabaret floor. Um, like it's not just a one-off joke, this old lady's super horny for Majima. Like, no, she's a fantastic employee who rakes it yeah. in. Um, it, it's, it's really good stuff. Like you could, I could um, just play a game of sub stories. Like, obviously, it wouldn't be as fulfilling in the end because the narrative, I think, is sure. where I come to these games. But like, when I'm into the sub stories, if I'm not trying to like make a beeline through the narrative, like, I'm never annoyed to discover one. I'm always no. just like, oh boy, what's this one? How does this go? It's so funny you say that because my first playthrough, I was deeply annoyed. Um, I think really? I wanted to mainline the story when I picked it up. I am someone who in open world style games, AAA style games, um, like Matt, you mentioned um, sort of like your kink is ignoring side quests. <laughs> that is typically my my ethos. Yeah. Um, I, I am willing to skip side stuff all day long. I'll try it at first, but if it doesn't immediately prove that it's worth my time, I'm done with mm-hmm. side stuff. Um, and so like I've had people tell me that I missed out on important things in Horizon Zero Dawn, for example, because the five or ten side quests I did just felt pointless to me. Um, and so in this game, in the first playthrough, the uh, sub-stories happen to you when you walk in proximity to the person. It's not something you, like, walk up, hit dialogue box, and then start. It's something that just, like, because you're in proximity to the character, it begins, and then you can choose to accept or, or deny it. And I was really annoyed because I'm, like, sprinting down the street to the next checkpoint, and all of a sudden I'm involved in um, the Burrisero ring or something. And uh, I'm just trying to get to the next scene for the payoff, um, which is what made a replay for Yakuza 0 so good for me because I I beat Yakuza 0 in, like, 36 hours the first time I played through it. Like, just did nothing on the side after I dabbled with it the first time. Um, the replay took me to 160 hours. Like, like the the difference there is is magnitudinous. Um, and just, like, one more, because um, we've talked about some of my favorite um, side quests or sub-stories. I keep saying side quests. Um, one is the Passport to Pizza one, which I don't know if y'all did, but um, yeah. there's someone who has, like, a sort of accent that Kiryu misunderstands, and she says she needs, like, a Biza. And um, and then he's like, oh, I, I got to go get a pizza. This is going to save, you know, her relationship. And he runs and there's this like 
epic quest to get this pizza and like keep it upright all the way back and you finally deliver it and it turns out she meant a visa so she can stay it's like a commentary on immigration in the country and um the other one is like uh majima has to pretend to uh be some random stranger on the street's boyfriend yes. while there's like an interrogation mm-hmm. dinner at a restaurant oh, with a dad so it's so wholesome yeah. But uh, also so absurd at the same time, like just the spectrum of things that you get up to in this game, I think are, are th- they put the icing on the cake for yeah. me. Yeah, I think the thing that also sells me on Kiryu is I'm a sucker for a himbo. And like, especially in the first yeah. game, like he, he becomes less of a himbo as the series goes on because he gets more war torn and like he gets more like aged. Yeah. But in this first game, he's so bright eyed and bushy tailed. He's just a himbo yeah. willing to help. And I love it. I'm a sucker for that every time. Well, I feel like we've covered a ton of stuff. I know we skimmed over much of the main story beats and whatnot. Um, are there any standout things that either of you would like to bring up before we sort of uh, move down towards closing? Um, I mean, I don't know. I think that, honestly, if we had regaled every chapter beat by beat, it would be a disservice to the game. I think it has I agree. It, it has incredible writing. We hit on some of the spoiler stuff that I know folks would want to hear us talk about. I think that... Ultimately, if you've been curious, like, again, I don't fault anybody who go to Like a Dragon first. It is a good starting point. But if yeah. you really want Agreed. a feel for the Yakuza, the Yakuza series and want to get rewarded by playing Like a Dragon, start at zero. Like like I said to Katie, you can absolutely mainline the, the story. And if you do, most of the games are between 20 and 30 hours, which is still a lot, but not as much as a lot of other games these days, especially AAA. Like... It's worth it just to mainline the stories and like get mm-hmm. to that because again there are cameos in like a dragon that like my jaw dropped. Um, uh, there's a journalist named Rebecca Valentine who I'm a big fan of and who's also yeah. recently played through all the Yakuza games. And when I got to this mm-hmm. moment, I'm hinting to, and you can DM me on Twitter if you want to know which one. In like a dragon, I literally took a screenshot and then sent Reb in all caps. Oh my god, it's so and so, and like they just cackled. Like it's it, it it's just. This game really rewards you for uh, enjoying intricate storytelling, and this is the start yeah. of that. This this was kind of the revolution for the franchise that had not particularly been doing well in the states, um, and now seems to be doing quite well. Um, but I I just I don't have any complaints, even those minor moments and issues. I think are overall part of an incredibly well done designed game. I mean, we barely talked about the combat in this because you, you all covered that in part yeah. one a bunch. But like, I love the different fighting styles. I love that one of Majima's fighting styles he just has a weapon all the time. And he, yes, and that's it, all he does. It's just hits. he just spins his bat around. Yeah, I like, and it's great. And the break dancing like style like it was so so, good. so much fun. But like again, Kiryu, one of my favorite things to do with him in every game. This is the one combat thing I want to talk about. The best thing about these games is that there are context-sensitive special attacks. Like, you get throw moves that just are cinematic, like we hit them with a bike or whatever. And then there are context-sensitive ones based on your location. And my favorite will always be, and I think it started in this game, but has carried on to other games, is if you are near a body of water, a bridge, or a ledge, if if you grab, grab someone and throw them, you just pick them up and throw them and then it just cuts to the perspective of the guy flying away with this shocked look on his face as he takes a dive into the water and every time I can do it I did it I threw hundreds of men into the water and like it's just those kinds of context sensitive stuff or like throwing them on a parking cone or whatever it is I love those those are the best because they're just so goofy and cartoonish every time mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love the combat I will say near the end some of the boss fights Get a little frustrating. Yeah. 
where I'm yeah, like, I can't do, I, I can't do the things that I'm used to being able to do, and I'm just getting beat down a little bit, and I'm like, ah, uh, where I'm just trying to get through the fights. Yeah. But yeah. like you said, the the number of those like heat actions, those um, like special attacks, and the variety of them, and based on where you are, and like, and also what's your near inventory. Yeah. And it just, it manages to keep things fresh. And also that there's different heat attacks depending on which style you're in. Like, it's never ending. Like, I, I still didn't get the little achievement for getting a certain number of heat actions. And I'm like, I've had tons of them, which means that there's way more that I haven't Uh even touched that I never saw. Um, Yeah, I think that's, you know, the, the combats, it's fun, but that is what, like, to me brings it up and makes it shine a little bit is just the absurdity of all of these special attacks um and i just never got tired of watching them yeah ever um yeah it's a lot of fun yeah um the one note i might give for anyone like struggling with the late game is um I mentioned this on the first podcast. I barely used weapons when I first played this because because they break. They're not durable. I didn't really care to use them. Um, but on the replay, I don't know what difficulty y'all went for, but um, I started on easy beginning playthrough. But this one for the platinum, you need to do legend difficulty, which is like beyond hard. And um, when I was doing that, um, I was reading up a little bit in advance of these fights and just bringing an armament of (laughs) firearms is the way to go (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you you stun the enemy you do a chunk of damage and that enables you to go up close and wallop them before they recover and then like all the annoying blocking that happens in the late Mm -hmm. game becomes nullified um if that becomes a a hiccup for anyone and they're like i love this game i really wanted to finish it but like hey bring some firearms i think it'll be good um which was the strategy that i used when i went back before when I'm wrapping up the game, it's like the last chapter, but I'm like, I should try and fight Mr. Shakedown again. I haven't tried to fight him <laughs> since like chapter two. Um, uh-huh. And I just brought like five cannons with me. There you go. And then just ran away, ran away, ran away, ran away, turned around, yeah. shot him with the cannon. Ran away, ran away, ran away, shot him with the cannon. And, and then it was it actually works. very easy. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, it works. Mr. Shakedown, please. Uh, but yes, at that same similar near the end game, I was like, I'm struggling. I was like, oh yeah, I have a bunch of weapons that I could probably use. That will probably make this a lot easier. And that is the case. I will like, also say this because I'm a big advocate for this everywhere. Play games on easy. Nobody's going to judge mm-hmm. you. Like difficult. Amen. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I hate ableist bullshit. And so like uh, I play a lot of games on easy. Not all. Like there are some games I want sure. the challenge, but there's no shame in that. And especially in Yakuza in the late game, Often to get through bosses, I just put it on easy so I could blow through. And like, I think it was Yakuza Three. Most famously, I played most of it on easy just because it was clunky. So like, there's no shame. I've used mods on Dark Souls Three to play that game and end up getting to beat it, and it was still hard even with those mods. Like, no yeah. shame in playing stuff on easy. So, Katie, if you start to feel that fatigue while going through the easy, the season, the series, like combat, just hit it, hit easy, and just keep on moving. I a big defender of easy mode as well. Um, yeah. With the Yakuza games in particular, all you're doing is adding more button presses <laughs> and more time to each encounter. Uh, the, the combat is not substantially different in substance yeah. between easy and legend. Uh, it's it's just a matter of like, okay, I familiarized myself with the move set here, and that's yeah. it. Uh, I, I don't think that you're proving anything to yourself uh, by playing on legend. Um, and, and like... You mentioned, Matt, the Souls series. Like, I notoriously have cheated on 
virtually every game in you. this whole series yeah. I played. <laughs> and, and that's fine. Like you say, they're still tough. Yeah. Like, play the games that in the way that works best. I had 80% damage reduction in Dark Souls 3, and still 90% of the bosses killed me on the first try yeah. every time. So, like... There's plenty of, you know, I had a helper on almost every boss fight in Elden Ring, my friend Glenn. Shout out, Glenn. So, like, I would have never beaten that game if it weren't for him. Like, there's no shame. Absolutely not. Well, I think we should probably bring this conversation to a close. Um, so, at this point, uh, I'll hand it back off to you, Matt, if you want to uh, tell us about where we can find you on the internet. Sure. Uh, I, like the two of you, said in a, the previous episode, the part one, I am with t- Twitter till the ship goes all the way into the bottom of the ocean <laughs> i just i have the most followers yeah. there i'm not doing that again it takes a long time to get followers figuring out that social media nonsense so i'm dj underscore storm again there i am most places i am dj underscore storm again twitch tiktok instagram find me there you can find everything that i do at dj storm um i have links to all of my podcasts um I think that the ones most relevant to the audience here will be Fun and Games, a podcast I do with the incredible Jeff Moonen, um, and uh, Reignite, which is my now officially Bioware podcast, uh, but we are in the Dragon Age series doing Origins. We just uh, aired our episode about our origin stories, the characters we picked. Because in Mass Effect, you're just a human. For Dragon Age, we flipped a coin on which of the backgrounds, or we did like a dice roll for which of the backgrounds we'd start as because it's the only game that lets you be different races with different backstories. Uh, And so it was up to random chance, and uh, we complained about it, but we still did it. Uh, And, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, I think the best way to engage with me is Twitter for sure, but I will ask if anyone listening already knows me and is a fan of Fun and Games already, I really humbly ask you to join our Patreon. We only have three tiers. $3, $3, you get our internal gratitude. $5, you get a shout-out in the episode. $10, you get bonus content and all the other stuff. Um, it really helps. We, you know, we've been doing the show for a long time and working really hard on it for a long time at a loss, and it's just been nice now to have some kind of financial backing to it, and it only helps us grow it. We are not going to spend it on fancy cars. We're going to buy games to cover. We're going to buy the ability to go to conventions. We're going to buy better equipment to record with. Like It's all going right back into the show um, So because, thankfully, we are not relying on the Patreon for our livelihoods, and so anything that you can give to that, it's patreon.com slash games. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's a huge help, but just thank you for having me. This was so awesome. I'd been talking to Flora about something else, and yeah. Flora asked, hey, do you want to come on? And I was like, yes, the brand of How Much I Love Yakuza still lives on, um, <laughs> even though I haven't talked about it in like three days. Uh, and it's just, I, I love being on this show. I'm a big fan of what all of you do. Cutscenes, Left Behind Game Club, Luda Narrative FM, like all of that stuff. I just, I, I really am just honored and happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you for Thank coming you for on. To join. My pleasure. For sure. Um, you hinted at the sort of financial support angle of things, uh, conferences. Does there happen to be any conference coming up that people might want to know yes, about? Yes, actually. Uh, if you are in the Boston area for PAX East, uh, the 23rd through the 26th, I will be there and I will be on two panels. One panel hosted by the one and only Jacob McCourt. Um, that panel is actually about how the GameCube is the greatest console of all time, which is factually accurate. Um, and I am going to be on that panel. It's Friday, March 24th at 12 p.m. in the Dragonfly Theater. Uh, it'll also be streamed on Twitch, like the panel I did with Jacob at PAX West. And then I'm also going to be on a panel uh, on Saturday, March 25th with friend of the show, uh, Luke Lewis. We are doing the ultimate video game music showdown. Uh, and I am the only thing I am more nerdy about than video games is music. So it is the perfect panel for me. And that's uh, at 6 p.m. on the 25th, 
that Saturday in the Dragonfly Theater. Uh, that will also be live streamed. Also, I'll be walking around. I'll be interviewing developers and getting content for funny games. If you see me, please come say hi. I love meeting folks. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And these two nerds are going to be there, too. It's going to be great. Yes, That's right. we are. Katie, do you happen to know of any panels you might be taking part in? Uh, yeah. Me and Flora will both be at PAX. Very exciting. Uh, fun fact, we're going to meet for the first time. <laughs> Woo. Hell yeah. Not, not weird at all. <laughs> not weird at all. No, it won't be weird. We've talked, please. We've, no, we've, it'll be we've fine. We've talked Yakuza together. Um, and yes, we're both going to be on another panel that Jake McCourt is also hosting. Uh, another video game trivia panel, just like the last one at, was it PAX West? It was, yeah. That he which, did yeah, 2022. Which, which I was on, um, yeah. So yeah. Oh, good stuff. I'm excited. Um, I believe the plan is for me and Travis to combine forces this time because we have trivied like three each times. Other. Yeah, because we've done a test yeah. one for you know the original first ever, mm-hmm. and then uh, we've done a couple other ones. So no, we're going to join forces, and uh, hopefully this means I'm going to win. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's on Friday, wow. March 24th at 7:30 at uh, the I believe the Condor Theater. It's possible that's changed, but. 7.30 on Friday night. Awesome. Thank you. Well, until then, and perhaps after, you can find us on the interwebs at Twitter at Left Behind Game Club, Instagram at Left Behind Game Club, Discord, leftbehindgame.club slash Discord. And if you enjoy the show, do us two favors, send it to a friend, and give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of do choice. Do it. Do um, it. That's Kate, the best thing you can what? do for your podcast friends. Review their shows. <laughs> you don't even have to listen. Just give them five stars and review it. It takes two minutes. Feed the algorithm, especially when places like Twitter are going down. We need all the boost we can get. I will second that. Thank <laughs> You're you, welcome. Matt. Uh, um, Katie, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I can be found on Twitter. I am at Lesbrak, L-E-S-P-E-R-A-K. And as I mentioned earlier, I also am one of the hosts of Cutscenes, a video game movie podcast. Um, and our current season, season four... I should know that. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it is as a listener. Yeah. I'm Thank sure you so much. Jacob's the pitcher of the of the group. Um, yeah, we're doing our Last of Us uh, series where we are covering the entire season one of The Last of Us week to week as it comes out. It's been a lot of fun. I've, it, it's fun to talk about something that's good. Yeah. Because we've, we've, yeah. we, that, that was a rare occurrence before this. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, that's been a lot of fun. So I encourage everybody to check that out if you haven't already. It's definitely a lot of fun to listen to. I've been keeping up every week. In fact, um, I downloaded today because it, the newest, newest episode uh, released today, uh, episode five, and I have yet to listen to it. So when I'm at the gym tomorrow, that'll be the first thing I put on. Oh, um, yeah, it, it's a joy to listen to, especially, like you say, uh, when video at, video game adaptations are good. Um, we don't have to sit there and pretend like our hobby is an embarrassing thing. Uh, and I will take that all day long. <laughs> So um, you can find me on the internet on Twitter at LudoNarrativeFM. You can find me in the Left Behind Game Club Discord uh, and, of course, EpilogueGaming.com. I most recently posted an article, uh, a very controversial one, uh, against the new Harry Potter game. Uh, Strange. And if you want to know why I'm against that, huh. feel free to read all 6,000 words. Can't uh, imagine but, why. Uh, I, I have some more lighthearted pieces coming soon. I, I recently played a game that was like a plant dating simulator. So like, if you like house plants, Travis, and, uh, <laughs> and you like dating simulators, me, uh, then then it's a perfect match. So yeah, there's more coming down the pipeline. Uh, and I guess since Mike isn't on the uh, episode, I should uh, drop the... <clears throat> 
And that wraps up our two-part episode series on Yakuza 0. Perhaps we'll play more games in the future. Shout out Mike Ruffalo and that, my friends, is one less game left behind. Uh, actually, how should I set that up now that I think about it? I just don't want to say, like, shout out Mike Ruffalo, like, right after the, hey, pl- dating plants. <laughs> how does Jacob usually set that up? I never have to say this. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That that wraps you know up our episode yeah. on Yakuza 0. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And that wraps up our two-part episode series on Yakuza 0. And uh, shout out to Mike Ruffalo. And that, my friends, is one game left behind. One less, <laughs> one less game. Brain, I'm tired. Uh, sorry.